0: King David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's look to the great shepherd, the shepherd of our souls, in a word of prayer. Father, thank you, God, for who you are. That you are the shepherd of our souls. God, thank you for speaking through your prophet and king, David, to reveal who you are and all the provisions that we have in you. Lord, thank you even for the experience of David as he shepherd sheep as a young, a young man. God, I pray now that we would look to you, to your word, that we would be challenged by your word this morning, that we would be conformed to your image, that we would be like you. God, make us holy as you are holy. God, may we find comfort in your word this morning and truth there, for your word is truth. May it give us the assurance that we need to go through this life and through all that we face, the wilderness of life, Lord, the valleys of death, and Lord, as we face our enemies, God, may we find strength and hope and power in you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. An elder at a Bible chapel once told me that while on a return flight home, the man sitting next to him asked him, What is your occupation? The elder simply said, A shepherd. So the man looking curious asked, Do you get much work? And he answered, More than you can imagine. That elder never explained to that man what he meant by being a shepherd. But this man took great joy in serving God's people. God's plan for the church is for elders to oversee and to shepherd the flock of God. For the elder, shepherding involves much hard work. It can be difficult, more difficult than many people can imagine. Because of the nature of sheep, sheep are a perfect analogy of the condition of God's people a people who are like sheep without a shepherd. It wasn't until the Christmas the Christmas of 2001 that I realized the true nature of sheep. It was at our first live nativity that I had my first experience with any sheep. And it was there that I realized just how difficult and stubborn and, yes, even dumb sheep can be. I remember telling Vanessa about my experience, and it bothered her. But she was thinking about Isaiah 53, 7, which describes Jesus as a sheep. But there, Jesus is likened to a sheep only in the sense of being silent, of being led to the slaughter as a sacrificial lamb. But in Scripture, it is often you and I that are sheep. Not in the sense of being silent. That's a needed Attribute sometimes, isn't it? But in the sense of being difficult and stubborn and foolish and even dumb, in the sense of going astray, Isaiah 53, verse 6, the previous verse to the verse that bothered Vanessa, says this, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The spotless Lamb of God died for his sheep, for a people who have gone astray. Sheep quickly go astray, and they often lead other sheep astray. Sheep are stubborn animals, and they are dumb. Have you ever heard of a sheep trainer? You ever heard of a sheep doing tricks? You ever heard of a sheep rescuing itself? No. Sheep are difficult. They're stubborn. They're dumb. They're also defenseless. They have no fangs. They have no claws. They don't have any means to protect themselves. They're not even fast runners. They are defenseless, and therefore they are dependable animals. They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd to guide them to green pastures, to lead them beside the still waters, to go with them through the dark valleys to protect them to provide for them, to care for them, to correct them, and even to rescue them when they go astray. You see, sheep need a shepherd. But if you think this morning I'm condemning the flock, understand each shepherd in the church is simply an under-shepherd. We are both shepherds and sheep at the same time. We are first among equals. We have to deal with our own stubbornness, our own ignorance, our own tendency to go astray while dealing with the same in the rest of the flock. You see, all sheep need a shepherd. This was especially true in the land of Palestine, a dry and thirsty land, a land without much water, a land where green pastures were rare and are rare and distant, a land filled with dark valleys. You see, sheep need a shepherd, but not just any shepherd, we need the owner of the sheep. John ten twelve, the Lord Jesus Christ himself tells us, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. You see, we need a shepherd that has a personal interest in our souls, our well-being one that truly cares for the sheep, one that's willing to sacrifice to give his life for the sheep. We need more than just under-shepherds. We need the shepherd of our souls, the one who created us. Psalm 23 portrays such a shepherd. David now, at the time of this writing, likely as king of Israel, had been a young shepherd boy. He knew the sacrifice that that required. He knew the nature of sheep. He knew their needs, their dependencies. He knew their tendency to go astray. He knew that they sometimes needed to be rescued. In this psalm, David is writing not as a shepherd, although he had been one. He is writing as one of the flock. He declares, the Lord is my shepherd. He uses 57 Hebrew words as he unveils for us a most beloved psalm, a psalm of hope, of confident assurance. David unveils a shepherd beyond that of an earthly shepherd. He unveils Yahweh, or Yahweh, as we say it in English, as his own shepherd. The shepherd needed by all people. He unveils Yahweh's care, his provision, his guidance, his presence, his correction, his blessing, his purpose for us in this life, as well as God's eternal purpose that his sheep will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, the eternal destination for all sheep. You see, not one of God's sheep who wanders away will be abandoned. Not one of God's sheep who falls will be left there. For the destiny of all of God's sheep is heaven to the glory of his name. He has promised to complete our salvation and to bring us to glory. And God is a covenant God who keeps his promises. In Psalm 23, it's as if David sets out to deliver us from a lesser deity. He preaches a God unlike the gods of the surrounding nations. He preaches a God unlike the idols of the pagans. You see, the God of Israel is in the heavens. It tells us in Psalm 115, and he does what he pleases. That's our God the god of israel but the false gods the same psalm tells us are made of silver and gold they are the the work of men's hands they have mouths but they cannot speak they have eyes but they cannot hear excuse me they have eyes but they cannot see i'm getting ahead here they have ears but they cannot hear they have noses but they cannot smell They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. But see, God has spoken. He created by speaking. He has spoken his word to his people. You see, the God of Israel does what he pleases. He is sovereign and powerful, and he is able to accomplish his purposes. In Psalm 23, David portrays the Lord of heaven as the shepherd of the sheep. He is the good shepherd who faithfully shepherds his own sheep. This psalm is about the God of Israel. It is only when the Lord is our shepherd that we have hope, that we have confident assurance because of who he is. Though David speaks of green pastures, his thesis is not rest nor provision. Though he describes Death's Valley, his poem is not an ode to dying. Though he tells of the Lord's house, his theme is not heaven. The theme is the Lord himself as our shepherd, the shepherd of the flock. It is in this, it is in this shepherd, this psalm tells us that we have hope. It is in this shepherd that we have the assurance to walk through Death's Valley. To face our enemies, to face our face those who persecute us. In Psalm twenty-three, David preaches Yahweh as shepherd to build our trust in God, to remind us of who God is, to tell us that not only is Yahweh His personal shepherd, but He is the shepherd of all His sheep. He writes it. He declares it to remind us of God's care his provision, his guidance, his presence, his correction, his blessing, his purpose for his sheep, and our eternal destination. David begins with a declaration in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is not a God like the gods of the nations. The Lord, Yahweh, David says, is my shepherd. The Lord is the word Yahweh or Yahweh. He has a name like no other. Yahweh is the name of the God of Israel. This is his covenant name. This is his personal name. This is his most holy name. David does not use El Shaddai, God Almighty. He does not use El Elyon. God Most High, he does not use El Olam, God the Everlasting. He uses God's personal name. It is like this. You could call me preacher or pastor. You could call me Vanessa's husband or Jessica's father. When I worked in the business world, I went by James Fault. James is my first name. But Rusty is the name that my friends call me by. Rusty is my personal name, and God has given us his personal name, and his name is Yahweh, the eternal self-existing one. To understand what Yahweh actually means, we have to go back 700 years earlier when God spoke through Moses at the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, at the end of verse 13, Moses asked God, when the children of Israel asked me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God's name is I am. That's the verb form. It's the word. The to be verb in the Hebrew. He is the I am, the eternal self-existing one. Later, God tells Moses in chapter 6, at the end of verse 2, I am the Lord. There's the word, Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, or Yahweh, I was not known to them. But now he is revealed as Yahweh. This is God's covenant name. This is God's personal name. This is God's most holy name. The Israelites considered God's name so holy that it should not be spoken by human lips. They substituted it for Adonai, Lord, with lowercase, Lord. Scribes would take a bath before writing his name when copying the scrolls and destroy the pen afterwards. It is God's most holy name and it points to his immutability that he never changes that he's always the same Psalm chapter 102 verse 27 but you are the same and your years will have no end Yahweh is eternal and he is unchanging he is also the uncaused god though he creates he was never created though he makes he was never made. Psalm 90, verse 2 Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is also the ungoverned God. We're governed. We're governed by natural laws. We're governed by the laws of our nation. We're ultimately governed by God's perfect standards. But God is not subject to anything outside of himself. God is a spirit. He has no limitations. He is everywhere all the time, and he is outside of time. God's personal name gives us a mere glimpse of our heavenly father. He is unchanging. He is uncaused. He is ungoverned. He is eternally self-existent and self-sufficient. Don't we need this kind of a shepherd? We need a God who is always the same. He's dependable and trustworthy. We need a God who is uncalled so that no one can take his life from him. He's eternal. We need a God who can calm the storm. You and I need Yahweh. We need a God who can shepherd us, a God who can place a hundred billion stars in our galaxy and place a hundred billion galaxies in the universe. We can, we need a God. We need Yahweh, who created out of nothing, and he can shape the dust of the earth into a living being. He can create a man with 75 billion nerve cells, each of those nerve cells, with as many as 10,000 connections to other nerve cells. That's Yahweh, the eternal self-existing one. You and I need Yahweh. David said, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. They, David knew the meaning of a good shepherd, and he declared that Yahweh was his shepherd. He knew his greatest needs personally. He knew his helplessness. His helplessness. He knew his tendency to wonder. He knew his fears. He knew his enemies. He knew that without Yahweh, he was like a sheep, without a shepherd, without care, without provision. Without guidance, with great need, without blessing, without purpose, and without an eternal home. To be without the Lord, to be without Yahweh, is to be without an eternal home in heaven. You see, when a person declares, The Lord is my shepherd, It implies a profound yet practical relationship between a mere sinful human being and the God of all creation. It links a lump of common clay to the divine creator. It means a mere mortal is the cherished object of divine love. To think that God in Christ is deeply concerned about me as a person immediately gives purpose in life an enormous meaning to our short journeys here. In verse 1, it's as if David is saying, look who my shepherd is. Yahweh is my shepherd. My shepherd is the I am, the eternal self-existing one. My shepherd is unchanging. He is uncaused. He is ungoverned. He is self-existing, self-sufficient. He's eternal. Yahweh is my shepherd, and there is no one like him. That's what David is saying here. Notice at the end of verse 1, David tells us what it means to know the Lord is his shepherd. He says again, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, all that we need is found in a relationship with the Lord in Christ. He is more than enough. The fullness of God is found in Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is found in Him. We're not talking this morning specifically about physical needs, although God can provide all of our needs. We are talking about spiritual needs. We have the riches of His grace, which He has lavished upon us if we are in Christ. If the Lord is your shepherd... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have been adopted. We've been sun-placed, pointing to this relationship to him as our Lord, as our shepherd. Christ is our good shepherd. He provides for all our needs. Folks, he is the water of life to those who thirst. He is the bread of life to those who hunger He leads us in paths of righteousness, but he also gives us his own righteousness. He imputes it to us. He places it on our spiritual accounts. He comforts us as we go through dark valleys. He's with us as we face the enemy. He leads us. He guides us. He comforts us. He even corrects us, and we ought to thank God for his loving correction He even gives us His Spirit who lives, who indwells us as believers, and He promises us an eternal home in heaven. It is guaranteed. It is sure. No force can stop it. No one can deliver us or remove us from God's love, God's purposes. He's the covenant God, isn't He? His purposes will be fulfilled, and no one will ever stop it, not Satan or his host of demons. Can you honestly say this morning, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd? Can you really say that? If not, you're wandering through the valley of the shadow of death, through a world without Christ, a world without hope, without comfort, without the Lord. The Word of God commands you. This is not an option. It is command. And if you are not saved and you leave here today without obeying the word of God, it is rebellion against God. He commands you to repent and believe the gospel. Christ suffered for all who would ever call upon his name. He has paid the sin debt. He is the propitiation, the satisfying substitute for sin. He said when he died on the cross, as we talked about last week, it is finished. To Tetelestai, it is finished, and it is enough. For his death is efficacious for all who believe upon him. But this morning, if you know him, all the blessings of God are found in Christ. He is our good shepherd. We have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In communion, we celebrate this reality, don't we? that the Lord is our shepherd. Our shepherd is the covenant God of Israel. He's the covenant God of his people. Every time we partake of the cup, it pictures that wedding covenant or the new covenant. We are declaring that we have entered into the new covenant through his blood. We're saying that we've been espoused to Christ, the bridegroom, that I am his and he is mine. We're saying that we will remain faithful to him. We are declaring that we are keeping all in our laps, that we're continually being filled with the Spirit. It at least challenges us to examine that. And that's what examination is for. Am I being continually filled with the Spirit? We are saying that we are keeping our wicks trimmed. In other words, faithfully confessing our sins as we await. His glorious return. And may we continue to do so. May we be faithful to partake. Proclaiming the Lord's death. Until he comes in glorious splendor. As we prepare our hearts this morning for the Lord's table. Let me remind you. The unleavened bread represents Christ's sinless body. It's unleavened. It's without leaven. Leaven represents sin, but the bread is unleavened. It represents his sinless body. He was without sin, yet he died for us. And through the breaking of his body, through the crucifixion, he brings us into relationship. He brings us into the presence of God. The wine represents the cleansing blood of Christ. And just as wine in scripture represents both celebration and blessing it also represents judgment doesn't it and here's the point i believe that many people miss it but i think this is the point or at least part of it the lord jesus christ took our judgment that we might have abundant blessings he paid the broad price We're coming into relationship with a covenant God that does not break His promises. That all of His promises are yes to those in Christ. All of His promises are yes to those outside of Christ as well. For Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has brought us into covenant relationship with God. Think about what that means this morning. Think about what it means to be able to say the Lord is. Yahweh is my shepherd. Intimacy, relationship, peace, comfort, to know the covenant God that does not break his promises. So as we prepare our hearts, consider the meaning of the bread and the wine. Consider the bridegroom and the price that he paid. That's what we do. We remember the Lord's death till he comes. Ask yourself of the question, are you truly espoused to him by faith? Because communion is for believers only. If you're not, let it pass you by. But as believers, may we consider his faithfulness to us. He is our betrothed bride. And God is a covenant God. We're going to have a time of silent prayer. And I challenge you to examine yourself. Examine yourself that you do not have any sin in your life, that you deal with that, that you confess it. Examine your purpose, your worship this morning, as you remember the Lord's death. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.